evening to you. It is good to be back with you uh, here at Fellowship. Uh, we rejoice with you. You're remaining in our hearts and our prayers always. That's one of the Lord's good graces is that when you meet God's people and you grow to love them and you know they love the Lord, um, it makes your heart glad. And we are glad uh, for you. Uh, Cheryl and I really uh, enjoyed yesterday the picnic. It was good to fellowship together. And uh, as your pastor said this morning, uh, fellowship, you have certainly a, a correct name. <laughs> fellowship Presbyterian Church. Continue in the Spirit. Continue in the things of the Lord and walk with Him. Now, if you have your Bibles, I would like for you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 12. Revelation, chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at Scripture there. And as we do so, um, be very mindful of of God's Word this day and um, His goodness to us. As by way of introduction, Sherlock Holmes was investigating the scene. And as he investigated the scene, he said, there is more to this than meets the eye. And um, that's what we want to talk about this morning. It is the firm view of the Christian that not only do we have grace and salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, but through His Word, He opens our eyes and our hearts to things that are invisible. Things that the ordinary eye does not see. Aren't you glad that He does? make you aware of those things that are around you. I have come to see that there is nothing in our lives or even in our suffering in this world that is coincidental. Now, isn't that something to ponder? There is even even our suffering, the Lord knows, and it's under His sovereign hand. No matter what ill... Uh, Joseph said to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Don't you love that? <laughs> all things work together for good to those who love God. Not all things are good that will enter our life. We've been looking at that at First Peter. How remarkable. The glory of Christ's church, Peter begins and talks about, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, <laughs> a people for God's own choosing. And then he moves right into what? The victory has been won in Christ. The war, the war is over, over, but, uh, the victory is in Christ, but you remain in the warfare. And, uh, you as a Christian must never forget that. The scriptures tell us in Ephesians chapter six, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, O Christian. Um, There are things unseen in this world. The manifestations of those things in the world that we see today or just the outworking of it. Behind, behind those things is a spiritual reality. 
And you are living in the midst of that spiritual reality of which our Lord Jesus Christ has overcome. And I'll give you the end of the sermon now as we go to Revelation and read chapter 12. John is in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. He is on the island of Patmos. He is, uh, he is one who has been captured and placed into captivity and placed on this island. And on that Lord's Day, he is in the Spirit. Don't you, don't you love the way Revelation began? He was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, even in spite of his circumstances. An older apostle, what, late, late in life, probably one of, the, one of the only apostles that lived to a good ripe old age. Most of them were what? Murdered in this world. Well, I don't think we've suffered yet enough to be murdered yet. Yet. But we always need to be ready, don't we? And here John is in the Spirit on the Lord's day and he, uh, he hears a voice. Oh my. He turns and hears a voice and there is one that he looks upon like the shining sun. He knows it's the Lord victorious, bright in His glory and righteousness and holiness. And He even introduces Himself to John in a victorious, marvelous way in the face of His captivity. And He says to John, I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I was dead, but now I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys. Did you hear? I hold the keys to death and Hades. Oh my, Jesus just simply introduces His name, introduces His glory, reacquaints John with the Lord for whom He has walked with all those years. The victory and triumph of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our hope and He is the one that we rest in. Here are the Scriptures from Revelation chapter 12. We know the victory of our Lord. But uh, the danger for us is to take reality, spiritual reality, for granted. To underestimate our foe. Uh, for us to even pretend as though it doesn't exist. Matter of fact, do you know that much of our society today really does not even believe in the things of God, much less spiritual reality? And let me tell you why this is so important for you, church, today, and why I'm burdened in my heart to preach this to you. Even our times have changed. How many of you have one of those little things called a telephone? Do you realize how much of an instrument even that one thing has invaded in our life? I walk people, watch people walk down the street and they're paying attention now not to one another, not even to their families, not to what's, but they are looking. Our homes were once somewhat of a safe haven 
for our walk with Jesus Christ. And we had some semblance of conformity and, and interest in moving things forward. But listen, now even your homes are an open game for your opponent. Even all those things have become a great, great temptation. Lead us, you hear it? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How many are slaves to the world today and don't even know it? If you're not trusting in Jesus Christ, who is the victor over death, Hades, you are already a victim. You are already one who is in the hands of the evil one, and you may not even know it, and you may not even see it. It makes the trust in Christ so very important, doesn't it? In a time that is trying to marginalize the gospel, marginalize spiritual things, marginalize Jesus as our Lord and Savior, marginalizing all the evil that is taking place in our world today. They called evil in this day good. And they call good evil. How sly he is. Hear then the Word of God. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon and under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars and she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in the heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that, that she might be nourished for 1,260 days. There was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. They were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Notice that he deceives. Don't underestimate Deceives the whole world. He is, he was thrown down to the earth and they were thrown down with him. Let me get back. I lost my place. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of all who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren 
has been thrown down who accuses them before our God day and night. They overcame Him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the world word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even to death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And When the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And the two thing and the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman in order that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she was nourished for a time and times and a half time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood, and the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and drank up the river, which the dragon poured out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring who kept the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. In this place in Revelation, we find that um, in Revelation 6 through 11 that there is much that... Uh, the world goes through as far as suffering is, is concerned. And as that is unfold, unfolded, it shows um, the opening of heaven and the mystery of God's grace through Christ and His saving power, but not only His saving power, His keeping power over His children in the victory through the cross. It's quite amazing to, to look and to see what is here and uh, as uh, you come to chapter 11, remember chapter 11 in verse 15, uh, the seventh trumpet has sounded. The trumpet of the Lord has sounded and time shall be no more. <laughs> you know that song, don't you? Uh, that was, that's a great song. And uh, here it is, our Lord comes and descends and uh, time is no more. And he calls home his children, his church, and he judges the world. And in the face of that, what John sees in this vision at the end of chapter 11, guess what he sees? He sees actually the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. <laughs> he sees the mercy seat there. And all of a sudden, there is great peals of thunder like on Mount Sinai when God reveals Himself in His Word. And those peals of thunder indicate that our God is about to reveal something. And what does He reveal? Well, what He does, our God takes and peels, by the, peels back the onion of our experience and all the things that have caused us pain and hurt, all the things that didn't make sense to us. And He folds the pages back and the pieces back until he gets down to the core. And God in His great mercy through the victory of Christ as the Holy of Holy has been attained for His children and He shows them the spiritual reality. There are two great signs recorded in chapter 12 and one of those great signs was a woman 
that was about to give birth to a son. The other great sign was a great red dragon. So there are three characters in this account, and it should bring some it should bring some thought to your mind as as you look back in Scripture. You, I found that the key to Revelation is understanding Scripture, knowing Scripture, not trying to find out exactly when this will be or that will be or this framework or that framework or that. But the key is looking at Scripture and knowing Scripture because Revelation is going to take you back. And if you don't know Scripture, you won't understand. And so there is this woman. And she's expecting a child. And there's a great red dragon as the third character in this account as this spiritual reality unfolds. And you get a tension between the dragon and the woman. And guess where that comes from? Genesis 3.15. Because you have done this, O serpent, he shall bruise you. He shall bruise you upon the head. You shall nip him on the heel. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Is that not what we're dealing with finally as we go through all the Scripture from Genesis? Now till we get to Genesis chapter or Revelation chapter 12, and, and there you find this enmity, this conflict. And, and what does, uh, what does this, um, this great red dragon seek to do? Well, first of all, the woman, we will identify her. Many have tried to say that uh, this woman being referred to is so explicitly clear that it's Mary. But I think not. I think Mary is a personification and a part of that as she is the woman who bears who? She bears the Son of God. And uh, even as Mary and Joseph um, have come and the child is being expected, we know that Mary goes through a lot of the opposition, and so does Joseph. You remember that uh, they had no place to stay, <laughs> and uh, they're caught up in the political circumstances and having to go back to Bethlehem. And uh, it's kind of ominous, you know, the situation of how humbling it is. And then all of a sudden, uh, these three wise men come from the east, and they come to Herod and say... Um, uh, you know, where is this king of Israel? And he says, by the way, when you find him, would you please come back and let me know where he is? Do you hear the tension? Do you hear the enmity with the kingdoms of this world? And, of course, they are warned. Do you hear the protection of God upon his children? God warns the wise men not to go back that way. And Herod becomes enraged. And what does he do? He says, well, we've got to get this new king. And he destroys the young children from a certain age up. Destroys all of the children, young children of Bethlehem. I wonder if the heinous political systems of this world can be damaging and hurtful. I wonder if they could be influenced possibly by the devil himself. I think so. Beware and do not underestimate. His power. 
He is one that's deceptive. And he is one that um, is the accuser of his brethren. Verse 9, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And so Mary faces uh, this opposition. And what is a marvelous thing, even as you go through this description, you get the parallels with what happens to Mary and Joseph. And all of a sudden, uh, Joseph is warned, isn't he? Joseph is warned, uh, listen, you take the child and do what? You take the child and go to Egypt. He go, they go into the desert, and all of a sudden there's this desert that's being expressed here. And almost it parallels the very tension and spiritual warfare that's going on. And you see this great serpent is seeking to destroy the child. Is there not every effort to destroy Jesus before He comes into the world? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And you know who's behind it. Let's look behind the curtain. Let's see what Revelation tells us about what's going on. And so we see it. And yet, the other thing do you see here is God's protection. You see God's protection on Mary, God's protection on the child. As a matter of fact, um, the serpent, he can't, he can't defeat the Lord. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he's, he's guarded. The Lord knows better. And think about the temptation in the wilderness when Jesus finally begins his public ministry. Was Satan vicious? Was he sly? Oh my, yes he was. Very sly. Very crafty. Oh, you're the Son of God. Just turn that stone into bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Satan, uh, remember this church, that Satan is a powerful, crafty creature. Another thing, he's in, invisible. <laughs> Does that concern you just a little bit? That he has access to places you can't see? I, I would just remind you that, that Satan himself is powerful and not to be underestimated as you walk in this world today. When you go forth in life this week and you have experiences in, in this world and you contact with people, remember that there's no spiritual neutrality. In every circumstance you enter into, there is no spiritual neutrality. And we pretend like that's the case, don't we? Well, we live our life. It's looking pretty good and we're really happy and everything's growing, going great. Wouldn't it be nice to be spiritually neutral? And that is true for each one of us here this morning. Pastor's not spiritually neutral. I'm either a child of the King or I am not. I'm a child of the devil. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? think about. 
But praise be to God, we have the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. The woman is actually God's people. It's actually the church, actually uh, the culmination of all those people of God, both in the Old and New Testament. For it says, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. Now, isn't that interesting, that description? You know where that comes from? It's the dream that Joseph has. <laughs> and Joseph being a type of Christ, um, what's being referred to here is the woman who is in pain in childbirth is actually the church of Jesus Christ. Actually, the people of God. Because who is the, uh, the serpent pursuing? Well, he's pursuing the woman and her seed, no matter who that may be in the church. And his first goal is to destroy, to destroy the child. But is he successful? You find in Scripture, oh no, he's, for, for some strange reason, he can't destroy the child. <laughs> and you know what that reason is, because the Son of God came into this world to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And when Jesus walked about in this earth as the Son of God, guess what? In His perception, He not only was able to see the experience of physical reality, but what? He was able to behold the spiritual reality that existed. He saw it perfectly clear. As a matter of fact, even some of those... uh, Folks who were demon-possessed, remember the fellow in the graveyard? What have you done? You've come here to destroy us. We know who you are. We know who you are. Let us go into the pigs. And they rushed down into the water to death. Spiritual reality. Sometimes we... Read Scripture in a vacuum. We know that it's talking about spiritual reality and things going on around us, but sometimes we just kind of dull ourselves to it a little bit so we won't have to comprehend it in its fullness. And, of course, we know uh, this woman uh, who represents the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, We know the child then must be indeed the Son of God because it describes Him in the Scriptures here and He talks about uh, the one who... And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to, to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to His throne. Isn't that a beautiful verse in verse 5? <laughs> she gave birth to a son. And this son was was born and as he was born the reference there is from Psalm 2 you shall be called my son and the nations shall be a footstool for you so it is Jesus Christ who is this child but when satan himself cannot destroy the child he turns his attention to who He turns his attention to the woman and to the offspring of the woman, which is the church, which is God's people. And it is an amazing thing here. And I love the way that little 
uh, verse 5 ends, it says, And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was what? Was caught up to heaven and to God and to His throne. The beautiful picture of the ascension of Christ and the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the thing you must remember here that that being taken up to God and into heaven was the demonstration of the victory of the Lamb of God over death and over sin and over Hades and all that the devil had brought into our experience. And that is the treasure of the gift of God's grace in your life through Christ. Isn't it a joy to know Christ? you know Him this morning, you ought to be terribly, terribly thankful that you name the name of Christ and you know His mercy and His forgiveness. Because the battle is, is not an easy one. Another thing that we might underestimate is that now that I've become a Christian, everything's just going to run real smooth. Everything's just going to... Just gonna go like clockwork, boy. And we're we're just on a we're on the hill now, boy. We're we're headed down the road. We're boy, no troubles now. Being a Christian, no. I tell you what, if you know Christ as Lord and Savior in this world, in this wicked world today, my friend, get ready. If the world so persecuted me will also persecute you, for it did not know me, neither will it know you. But be of good cheer. Don't you love this next little word? But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Look what's against us. Our flesh in sin, the world, and Satan himself all against us. Let me tell you, you better have an answer. You better have an answer that's sure. And you better be putting your faith and your trust in the right place in this world today because it's a serious, serious business that you're about as the church. Because without Christ, you already belong to Him. Without Christ, you already belong to Him. Have you been set free, my dear friends, in Christ? You have the promise of the hope of Christ in your heart. Don't take it for granted. Don't take for granted being the church. Don't forget the warfare. I like William Gurnall. He wrote a, a book called The Christian in Complete Armor. I tried starting reading it. It was only that thick <laughs> in Ephesians 6. And I said, good gracious, how much this, can this man pull out of Scripture in Ephesians 6 about putting on the full armor of God? And I began to read it, and I began to have to repent of how little I knew about the spiritual battle that we are in in Christ. I was ashamed. I had so frivolously 
partaken the spiritual things of my victorious Lord and squandered it and taken for granted the evil in this world today. Love not the world. Love not the world or the things in the world. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And Satan says to Jesus, I'll give you all this if you'll just fall down and worship me. You hear him? You think that was an idle threat or an idle promise? Shows the influence. Because this serpent, he what? He has, he has ten heads. Somebody once said two heads are better than one. Cheryl tells me that all the time. Two heads are better than one. But what if you had ten heads working against you? What about ten horns? Have you ever been butted by a goat or something with two horns? What if you got hit with ten horns? And by the way, what about the ten crowns? on this great red dragon. Symbolical? Symbolical. What if he had influence in the nations and in political powers and he was simply exercising his power and his craftiness within the operation of the affairs of man? By the way, do you see it today? Do you see it? Because it's happening very day in which you are living. Remember this, though, and we must almost bring this to a close. First of all, remember this, that we're not dealing with co-equals. It's not good against evil as co-equals. I've told you this before, that God is in heaven and He's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He is the eternal God. And guess who Satan is? He's a created angel. He is not omniscient. He does not know everything. Matter of fact, he sure didn't see it coming at the cross, did he? <laughs> he didn't see it coming at the cross. No, he doesn't know all things. He's not omnipresent, is he? He can't be everywhere at one time. Remember that. He's a created being. He's subject to the sovereign Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, he, He's not all-powerful. But He has help, doesn't He? That's what chapter 13 is about, by the way. <laughs> you should read chapter 13 after going through this chapter. And so, my dear friends... Uh, you must remember that about, about Satan. He is subject. And um, he knows what? He's fierce when he's not able to destroy the son. So he turns his attention to the woman and her seed. And he's fierce because he what? He knows, he knows that his time is short. There's one thing that the devil does know. He knows that his time is short. Praise be to God for the damage that He's done to ones we love to this world. Are you a praying Christian? 
Well, you're a trusting Christian. You believe the Bible? You're trusting in His grace from day to day? What about your family? You're praying for your children, your grandchildren? I happen to think that it's not going to get better, personally. That's my opinion. And some of us, as we continue to move through life, we may have to face some things before we go home to be with the Lord. Amen? Does it make sense to you? Some of us may have to face some things before we go home to be with the Lord. But remember, it says, when the faithful... I love in the passage in chapter 12, it says, but even those who trusted in the Lord and looked to Him... uh, when they were challenged by this spiritual reality, they did not even love their life, but they committed themselves to God. You know how Ephesians 6, 11 begins. Finally, the Apostle Paul talks about the supremacy and the all-sufficiency of Christ at the beginning of Ephesians. He goes on through and talks about the glory of Christ and his power, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. And then it goes on through and Paul begins to apply the gospel and the relationship to the Lord to areas of life. Do you know how Ephesians ends after the family relationships where it talks about um, husbands and their relationship to their wives and wives in relationship to uh, their, their husbands and the relationship to children? Do you know what the final section is? It's about spiritual warfare. Paul ends that book by saying what? Finally, finally, be strong in the Lord. And he just doesn't leave it there. He wants you to understand what he means by being strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So you see, the strength and the victory is not in Lonnie. (laughs) I'm His child. (laughs) whom He saved, and whom He saved you if you love Him. The victory is in Christ already. No matter what you may suffer in this world as a challenge to your faith, the victory has already been won. And your life is already hidden (laughs) with Christ at the right hand of the Father. It's already there. So, be of good cheer, Mr. Ridley, as he is burned at the stake in Edinburgh Square. Today, we meet our Savior. I don't think the world really wants to be your friend. And if you've tried it, you will know that's the truth. Well, what's the answer? I like what Martin Lloyd-Jones said. He said, Lonnie, if you preach uh, about the power of this evil one and you don't tell them what the victory is, (laughs) then you've missed it. Martin Luther had it clear. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side. 
the man of God's own choosing. Just ask who that may be. Christ Jesus. It is He. Lord Sabaoth. The same. My dear friends, the right man needs to be on our side. And we need to trust Him and Him alone for our salvation is offered in the Gospel. For you will not defeat that one. You will not defeat him if you seek it in your own strength. But where are we called as Christians to turn? Always humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Isn't that an interesting all of a sudden you see this powerful being and then all of a sudden as you see these humbling themselves to Jesus Christ, all of a sudden this guy's running with the tail between his legs. We need some victory, don't we? And we have it. Put on the full armor of God. One thing about that full armor, we don't have time to pursue it here, but that full armor, almost every element is grounded in what? The, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Put on the helmet of salvation. <laughs> the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the, the readiness of the gospel. It is all grounded in trusting in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Ground yourself in Christ. And if you've not taken seriously your walk with the Lord in recent days... I encourage you, for Christ's sake, and for your own spiritual well-being, do not take for granted the work of Christ and who He is and what He desires for your life. May the Lord be with you. May He lead you. John, well, God, you know, I've been on this island for some time. I'm an old man. I don't know exactly what's going to happen here exactly. And he turns. He sees who? He sees the Lord in all of His glory. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. May the Lord be with you, and may He keep you from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Amen? It's real. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your wonderful and marvelous grace poured out in Your Son. Once we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but You've made us alive in Your Son, Jesus Christ. And You have hidden our life in the heavenlies and seated us with Him there.
Father, therefore, we pray that as we've been called to be your children, we pray that, Lord, you would watch over us and lead us. Lord, you led the woman into the wilderness, and there you took her up on eagle's wings, and you fed her and took care of her. And when Satan came to thwart her, Lord, you, uh, you dealt with that as well. But, Lord, help us to know that the, uh, the battle is not over. We live from day to day in this world until we come home. And, Lord, we pray that you would bring us home safely. Amen.